Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Mario Kart Tour runs out of gas. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I'm always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including no Zelda DLC, new hardware bundles, and new hardware rumors. It's a lot of news happening this week. And then on Thursday, we're probably going to be talking about a Nintendo Direct, but we'll just see about that, won't we? Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. I feel like we're tempting fate a little bit by putting it out there mm. that we're going to be talking about Nintendo Direct. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel yeah. like in the past, even when we've thought there was a Nintendo Direct, we've like hedged our bets a little bit. We've been like, we're going to talk about this we, thing uh, yeah, unless s- there's a Nintendo Direct. See, I think, I think we've done both. Okay. I, think, I think we have done the thing where we're like, yeah, let's have something queued up and ready to go. Yeah. But then we've also done the thing where we're like, we're pretty sure there's going to be a Nintendo Direct. <laughs> and that's that's what we're, ba- we're... I mean, look, one way or the, another, yeah, there will be another episode this week. Yes, f- for sure. We will put something out on Thursday. Will it be first thing Thursday morning? Uh, no, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe there'll be a Thursday Direct. That's possible. <laughs> right. And if there's no Nintendo Direct, could it be just us reading alphabetically from the Mario Wiki? Possibly. Possibly. Do we read the whole articles or just like the article names? <laughs> I guess uh, that is the piece we'll leave the audience in suspense for. Okay. Just like off the top of your head, what do you think alphabetically is the first uh, article on the Mario Wiki? Oh, my gosh. Something with like a zero in it. Oh, oh, sure. I forgot about numbers. Yeah. I was going to say like uh, uh, the albatross uh, enemies from Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh, that's pretty good. It's an early, it's a, are you looking? <laughs> I, I, I am looking, but I actually don't know how I would, because there are, yeah, I don't know You can how. sort by, like, characters or whatever, uh-huh. but Okay, that's... I'm just going to go by, I'm going to do characters. Okay. Characters, okay, so characters first. The very first one, alphabetically, is... 13 Amp from WarioWare Gold. Sure, that makes sense. Um, what are we talking about? What are we doing? <laughs> We're probably there's probably going to be a Nintendo Direct this week. We don't have any word of it yet from where we are recording on Monday evening. Um, but if it happens, Mark and I will be there to talk about it. Otherwise, something else. Um, and uh, so thank you to all of you for tuning in for that. Um, if you would like to support us in any way, you can, I guess, support us with money. It's not in any way. Uh, you head over to patreon.com slash Nintendo Cartridge Society, where if you are supporting us at the 8 or 16-bit tiers, you get access to uh, our miniseries NCS Detective Club, which wrapped up a couple months ago. We are currently in the middle of NCS Goes Broadway. Uh, we... Uh, just talked about Les Mis. I'm trying to remember. Have, yeah. we, have we revealed our next? No, we haven't. Should we do it right now? Sure. Yeah, okay. So next we're going to be talking about The Music Man, mm-hmm. Broadway classic. Yep. And then we'll have one more left in NCS Goes Broadway. And if you want to help decide what our next miniseries should be, you can join our Patreon. All Patreon subscribers can vote in a poll that will be going up in the next few weeks. Some point soon, yes. Yep, uh, th- to help us determine what that next miniseries will be. Um, and if you are if you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, or if you are not, you can always instead 
or in addition to, go to Discord and join our Discord, um, where it's just a bunch of fun people having good conversations about Nintendo basically all the time. Um, and look, there's a Direct coming up, we're pretty sure. Um, that's a great place to be during the Direct. All you got to do to get in there is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com, and I will send you a link. You can join the Discord that way. Mark, we've got a ton of news to get through this week, so I say let's not keep screwing around. Let's get into what we've been playing this week. The big news, of course, in what we've been playing this week, Mark. Tetris 99 ticket update. Is this is this the final one? Lay it on me, Mark. Dun 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 Okay, that one did sound like the the Muppet Show. Yeah. Oh sure, the one time I get it on it, you're like, yeah, now it's bad. Uh, I I did it. I got 999 tickets. Hail the conquering <laughs> Thank hero. You. Thank you. Mark playing dumb for the podcast, even though he got cupcakes and uh, little Tetris. Um, uh, th- th- uh, there's confetti and napkins and plates. Uh, Mark went all out celebrating my accomplishment of uh, getting 999 tickets in Tetris 99. Yeah, but that's not... It, it is true. I did do all of that, but that's yes. not all. There's one last thing because I know that there, there is no better way yeah. to celebrate getting 999 tickets uh, in Tetris 99 <laughs> okay. for you specifically, uh-huh. Patrick, yeah. than getting you a used copy from like 1974 of the novelization of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Wow. This is, wait, so this is a novelization of the movie Conquest of the Planet of the Apes? That's right. Which one is that, four or five? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, oh, I think I think it's four because five is battle for the planet. That's of the right. Eights. That's right. Uh, can I read the back of the book Please. here? Please. Thank you so much. By the way, this is great. Um, the time, nineteen ninety. The place, a gray, <laughs> tightly computerized city state somewhere in North America. The inhabitants, apes who serve as terrified slaves, men who function as brutalized masters until the apes revolt. And then there's more. Um, but Mark, thank you so much. The synergies with Tetris ninety nine are apparent. Yes, and. Many. Uh, the apes wage a savage battle to control the earth, it says on the on the cover of this book. There's a lot of just, like, uh, marketing copy <laughs> on, on the, both the front and back of this. This is incredible. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, congratulations. Uh, a lot of hard work, and I think we determined you're the only person to ever do this, right? I think that's right, yeah. It's, uh, it's something that I have gone online searching for, like... You know, I feel like for just about every video game accomplishment, there's, like, a group of people being like, I've been working on it for this long, or, like, tips. The thing is, like, there are no tips for it. You just got to do it every day, right? This is where it'd be cool if Nintendo had, like, a, or even just Tetris 99 specifically had, you know, a trophy-like system where you could see how many people had unlocked that Yeah, that's like, true. Achievement. That's That'd true. Really cool. I mean, if I ever or see... a percentage of players. Yeah, if I could ever see any... Uh, if I ever see anyone using the icon, which, of course... I, I earned this icon, right? This like player icon by uh, unlocking the 999th ticket. And of course, I assigned it to myself immediately. So anyone that gets in close enough to see my player icon and knows what it means will have to recognize that I got 999 tickets. Absolutely. It's like when two Jeep owners pull up at a red light next to each other, right? Yeah. And there's like a nod or there's yes, like a there's wave. Yeah, there's some sort of like uh-huh, brotherhood. I drove a Jeep for like... Three years, and it w- I only recently found out about this thing. <laughs> I'm st- I'm not even really convinced it's real. Well, for Tetris 99, I'm sure it's real, and uh, I'm sure you're now part of it. 
Um, okay, so just as a as a follow up here, uh, we had some questions, right? Like, how exactly does this work? Can you continue to earn tickets after you hit nine hundred ninety nine? And of course, we'll never know because you deleted the game immediately after. Uh, Tetris ninety nine is my game of the year every year since it was released. Oh, of course. and it will remain such. And so I had further questions, right? Um, and you know, you you can use these tickets to purchase themes, right? Which I had been doing for a very long time um, until I was like, oh no, I I need to stop spending them and just start saving them up. Um, so a couple like little threads to pull on here, right? So first of all, it, when you earn a ticket after getting your 999th ticket, nothing happens. 999 is the ceiling. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, next piece of information. I started to use those tickets to purchase the like four or five themes that I hadn't purchased yet. I did not lose the achievement by dipping below 999 tickets. Um, but I do now have all of the themes. Nice. Uh, and yeah, it's, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, deleting the game or throwing it away or anything, but I am, Hey, going to take a little break from Tetris for a while. <laughs> It just has to feel. I imagine, yeah, because I this is uh, this is something I will never achieve. I, of course, am living vicariously through you. Yes. Um, I imagine like it must feel like an enormous burden has been lifted off of you because uh, it's not like it was a a quiet goal for yourself. No, it was one that I talked about publicly on a weekly basis, and until I like ashamedly was like, "Look, I'm going to stop talking about it for a little while." Here's the thing, Mark. I am like barreling towards two other huge deadlines in my life that are both like genuine burdens on my back. Death being one so, of them. Okay, three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so th having this one accomplished feels almost like nothing. <laughs> huh. Perspective. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I did it. I'm happy it's yeah. done. Thank you for the cupcakes. Um, but yeah, I, it's, uh, it feels a little bit like a hollow victory. We'll maybe feel different after the, uh, two big things, uh, that are coming up that I will maybe talk about later, but maybe not. Um, one of them definitely not, but another one I will talk about. Um, at They're some both point. good. They're both good. Everything's yeah. good. Yeah. The, uh, Mark was joking about death. I'm not dying, <laughs> um, in, except for in the sense that we are all dying. Um, slowly, I mean, like over the course of time. Well, congratulations <laughs> Thank on you. earning 999 tickets in uh, Tetris 99. That that's a that's a huge accomplishment. Mark, tell me about your continuing adventures in Sea of Stars. Yeah. So I have been playing a little bit more Sea of Stars. I have gotten to I guess like minor spoilers to this kind of like haunted village. Ooh. Um. Yeah. The the more I play the game, the more I feel like what I said in like my first thoughts of it continue to be true. Where it's like I um. I, I think it's fair to represent the game as, like, inspired by classic 16-bit RPGs, but it doesn't feel like a 16-bit RPG, really even in, like, presentation that much. It just feels like an indie RPG. Yeah, I, I'm sure. having fun with it. I think the main characters are, like, uh, I, I still think I'm not far enough in. I'm maybe, like, seven or eight hours to, like, I haven't met the big bad yet. Okay. And so it feels like there's still a lot more to go. They've, like, talked about it, and there's some, like, scary red text whenever I mean, his it, name is mentioned. It sounds like it's paced like a 90s 16-bit <laughs> RPG. But the, 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 like, things that are happening in the interim, like, the little interludes that uh, you experience, like, little, like, side stories. Yeah. In that way, it does remind me of, like, a Dragon Quest, where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to see this little short story that, yeah. you know, and then it wraps up you know, in like a cute, fun way. And then I'm just going to move on. I continue to like the combat. I continue to like the, um, 
characters that aren't the two main characters because they just don't have a lot of personality. For the most part, it's a little like uh, there's a couple of characters that they lean into the like self-awareness, like self-aware humor. Sure, okay. And uh, about being in a game and this being an RPG and like cliches of the genre, which a little of that goes a long way for me. But overall, still having a lot of fun with it. Um, we, uh, we, you and I shared a little moment bonding over the the hilarious name Garl. Uh, I think it's that, good. It's it's an all timer funny uh, character name. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the perfect like fantasy name yes. where you're like take a normal name, yeah, replace just change a it, consonant, change it by just like a little too much. Yeah, so so it's like hard to say, <laughs> Garl. So good. <laughs> um, I have not uh, touched Sea of Stars this week, um, partially because uh, I was finishing up my uh, Tetris 99 goal, um, but also because, uh, and we will get to the rest of these games that came out on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online, but uh, f- four games dropped, three of which were uh, had never been localized um, outside of Japan before, one of which was Joy Mech Fight on the NES, which is a fighting game that came out in like 1993 or something like that, maybe four, um, like late, 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 late NES game. Um, and it is like a genuine one-on-one fighting game. Um, there are like kind of at, at a surface level, eight playable characters, um, but at a uh, deeper level, there's 36 characters in the game. Um, and it is shockingly playable, like alarmingly playable. Um all of the robots are made up of like six different sprites, right? So you've got like a head, a body, um, and like, you know, hand, hand, foot, foot, and they're not connected by anything. Um, so it means that the game is really only ever animating like 12 things on screen at once, right? Um, and as a result, there's uh, no flicker, no slowdown, no like framiness at all. Um, the game just looks and plays great and is surprisingly modern and balanced um, in like it, the way it functions as a fighting game. It is shocking to me how playable it is. How did you figure out how to play it? I, I just saw something. I haven't played it myself. Yeah. But I just saw something posted online where somebody had like translated some of the um, uh, like images or some of the screens before yeah. you like start playing. Well, I mean, yeah, there there is like a, a whole like setup with like the story of what's happening there. And Mark, let me tell you, I have no idea what's happening there because <laughs> um, it's all in Japanese. Um, and I did end up going to uh, like Game Facts to like dig up some old like Famicom uh, guides for like because the characters have special moves uh, oh. and like uh, there's no in-game uh, you know like guide for how to do them. And even if there was, it would be in Japanese. Um, so yeah, like went went online and like started to find out information and um like picked a couple characters to like work on and play as um and just had like a ton of fun messing around with it. What did you mean by saying on the surface level there's eight characters, but there's actually like thirty six? Sure. So it's uh I I have not um dug into uh getting past the uh, initial eight characters. I've I've done it in, in in the single player mode, like the the arcade mode, um where because you start as one of the robots, the like pink one who's sort of like he's on the cover of the game, um. Uh, you start as him, and then each robot boss that you defeat, you can then play as in the rest of arcade mode. Um, so it's also got like a little bit of a Mega Man kind of thing going on. Um, but so then there are like variations on all of those characters that are unlockable. I don't know if as uh, characters that you fight or characters that you can actually control as well. Um, but like 
there's cool looking boss characters. There's like this ostrich looking dude, um, and like a bunch of others. Uh, so like they're in there. They're not immediately accessible. Oh, I see. Yeah. That sounds cool. That sounds really cool. It is. I, I mean, it, it, I I I understand that some of the um, especially on the NES, some of the NSO drops are um, like bewildering or a little like confusing or like you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, this is ultimately something that belongs in the past and, like, should not be brought forward to whatever. Joy Mech Fight is a just genuine gem. Uh, it's uh, a shame that it never got, um, uh, that it never got a, a uh, that it never got localized um, to North America or, or Europe or anything. Um, I wonder, it's probably a combination of uh, it being, you know, all, so far already into the Super NES's life cycle. Um, and also just, just a ton of Japanese in it. There's like a ton of language in it. Um, but like, it is a, it's a great game. Like I'm, I am just I'm surprised at, at how good it is. That's really cool. Um, and then I, I, I keep playing a little bit of, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge Dimension Shell, Shell Shock, um, which I have yet to team up with anyone yet. So, like, uh, if if anyone's putting together a game, let me know. I want to play. I've got my Michelangelo up to level ten right now, so like, I can I can go in and mess some stuff up with you. Um, I think it would be fun to play uh, the Dimension Shell Shock stuff uh, with multiple people. All right, Mark. Uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's uh, get into the new releases and what we might be uh, talking about next week. <laughs> talking about next week or playing next week however how does that transition normally go uh well we might be playing next week. there we go uh speaking of things last week (laughs) september 6th last wednesday we did get kind of a surprise uh nintendo switch online drop two nes games one super nintendo game and one game boy color game so joy mech fight which you previously oh yeah go ahead and all of this is interesting and strange because three of these games uh, are imports essentially right? Yeah, are just so, Japanese games. Joy Mech Fight mm-hmm. for the for the NES, uh, Downtown Neck Nekestu March Super Super Awesome Field Day. There we go. Uh, it's, it's one of those Kunio Kun games, uh, so uh-huh. like River City Ransom. Um, but it's uh, it is bizarre. It's a race through like the city, and like everyone has weapons, and so they're like beating each other up as they run around the city. <laughs> And then on the Super Nintendo, Kirby Star Stacker. Now, the Game Boy version of Kirby Star Stacker did get ported, or not ported, but localized out to the rest of the world. But the Super NES version had not. Um, it's sort of a panel upon like, um, but there are some like extra little twists in there. I didn't get a chance to spend too much time with it, but uh, it is a, a, a go, goes along that same uh, sort of like puzzle league um, gameplay style. And then finally, for Game Boy Color, Quest for Camelot. Okay. Mark, help me understand this choice. Well, okay. When I first saw it, I just laughed. Yeah. Because, yeah, sure, why not? Quest for Camelot, released in, like, the late 90s in this period when everybody, all the major, like, film studios decided, hey, we want some of that Disney animated movie money. That's right. And so we're going to, you know, Fox it's so made funny Anastasia. That, yes. But it's so funny when these things start hitting because it's like all after 
uh, Disney's like renaissance yeah, had sort of faded away. Yeah, like, absolutely. Everything's coming out post Pocahontas <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah. So Quest for Camelot, I don't think I ever saw it. The one thing I remember no, I is that there's like a two-headed dragon that's sure. kind of like the sidekick. But I didn't realize. So first of all, I was like, okay, yeah, great. We're getting licensed titles. And it's this ran from this like random movie that nobody like nobody saw. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realize until I later that it was pu- like published or co-published by Nintendo. Yeah, co-published by Nintendo and Titus Interactive. Crazy. And Titus had like gotten the um rights to make the uh like video games that were going to come out in conjunction with this Quest for Camelot. There was a Nintendo 64 game in development that they scrapped because the movie was so poorly received and they were like no one's no one's going to pay to spend more time with these characters or in this world. Um but this uh this Game Boy game squeaked out and now you can play it on your uh on on your Switch. Yeah, and you know like like I know that uh, I've I've come to embrace the more yeah. like esoteric crazy releases that we get on Nintendo Switch Online because it's just like yeah why not why not there's so many games on there yeah and yet I mean may, I'm sure there are Game Boy Color games that like deserve to be on there over Donkey Kong ninety four like, is not Camelot, this thing yet but like Donkey Kong ninety four <laughs> Super Mario Land. That's Super Mario right. Land 3, Wario Land. Oh. There's so many, like, huge games that aren't on the Pokemon. <laughs> all, all, all I, like, truly, yeah. deeply, what I would like more than anything is just to understand. Yes. And, and not in, like, like I don't even need, in, like, it doesn't have to make sense to me. I no. just want to be a fly on the wall yeah. when, like, this stuff is being, like, uh, you know, pitched. Yes. And, and how Quest for, how does Quest for Camelot for Nintendo Switch Online and Game Boy Color come to be? Like, I, I mean, genuinely I, want oh, to in, know. In, in the first place or uh, for the end? For, for, the, for the Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, so here's here's my guess. Uh, David Zasloff, <laughs> in a uh, just desperate ploy to get whatever additional revenue he can, is like, let's license it out to Nintendo so they can put it on NSO. That's right. He, uh, they're um, beginning to realize that they should give writers and actors a fair deal. Right. Yes. Uh, and then he's like, what, what can tide us over until we figured out that square deal? Of course. <laughs> Quest for Camelot. <laughs> L- license out Quest for Camelot. Makes sense to me. Uh, tomorrow is another milestone of sorts. Tomorrow, Super Bomberman R2 is being released in retail and then on uh, Wednesday. Oh, no, 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 no. Today. Today, September yes. 12th. Yes. Super Bomberman R2 is being released on retail and then tomorrow, September 13th, Super Bomberman R2 will be released digitally. And I say this is a milestone of sorts because... Because um, it plays into my Bomberman theory yes. of new uh, Nintendo hardware. That Nintendo hardware usually comes around with a new Bomberman game. And otherwise, we don't know about a new Bomberman game. Um, and when you dig into the facts of that, it doesn't really hold together. Uh, and this is just kind of another uh, data point in it, not <laughs> being a harbinger of new Nintendo hardware. Um, but here we are. Super Bomberman R2 is uh, out. And then also tomorrow, Gunbrella mm-hmm. is released digitally. Uh, Gunbrella, cool looking, like a uh, platforming action side scrolly uh, thing where the guy's got an umbrella that's a gun. I mean, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good hook. Then on Thursday, September 14th, Solar Ash is released digitally and Inspector Gadget Mad Time Party. Okay, I wanted to just like ask about like Inspector Gadget Mad Time Party. Um, in what way 
is Inspector Gadget relevant now? Yeah, I I don't think in any way would be my guess. It's just what kind of game is it? Uh, well, I I'm not really sure. It, it looked a little bit like a, a a 3D like character action kind of game. Is there maybe there's a new Inspector Gadget? Uh, is there a new Inspector Gadget cartoon? Like that would that would help me like accept the fact that this is something that's happening in the world. But otherwise, if they're just reaching back to, because like I know you know the Inspector Gadget cartoon of like the 80s and 90s, uh-huh. uh, and then there was like a Matthew Broderick movie in like 1995. Yep. But like, is there is there other Inspector Gadget stuff? So apparently, there was a Canadian CGI animated television series in. 2014 and 2015 okay that's still 10 years ago yeah yeah i don't know all right there's a light i guess uh, somebody saw a license and an opportunity then on friday september 15th batten kaidos 1 and 2 hd remaster are released on switch as well uh yeah and those are you know among the they they were gamecube games originally right um and they both sort of like occupy that like best gamecube games you never played or whatever um and they're card-based rpgs that's right and they're they were developed by monolith soft so the company that nintendo eventually acquired who's been primarily responsible for the xenoblade series but has also helped out on you know games such as breath of the wild so uh a pretty good game um uh, do do you have i, I know uh, we've been like curious about bitten kaidos in the past um but is is that something that you think you may check out at some point it feels i'm just gonna be honest really strongly like a game i'll buy but never play yeah but i have no plans to buy it right now it's an interesting like caveat to the game i'll buy but never play <laughs> which is now that you will also not buy it <laughs> yeah so i guess yeah um no <laughs> Uh, All right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we were talking about Quest for Camelot before, which of course makes us both think of the Warner Brothers animated films of the 1990s. And I'm quizzing you, how many of these can you name? Yeah, okay. Um... So I have to say that even as a kid, this whole like phenomenon kind of like fascinated me. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. The, you you were fascinated by it. You, yeah. You you wanted more information. Well, yeah. I just thought it was I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. For that, all of a sudden there were all these like Disney knockoffs happening at the same time. Right. And I mean, you have to be careful here because there are a lot. You mentioned Anastasia before. Uh huh. That's Fox. Right. That's Fox. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Does Space Jam count? Space Jam is included on this list. Yes, okay, 1996. Then, then Space Jam is one. Mm-hmm. Um, Quest for Camelot, which we've talked about. 1998. And then... Which means the Game Boy game came out first. The Game Boy game came out in December of uh, 1997. Wow. <laughs> I feel like this is, like, a real... Because, like, the, uh, the novelization for, like, some of the Star Wars prequels came out before the movie did. Yeah. So yeah, true. Um. So if you want, if you wanted to be spoiled on Quest for Camelot, mm-hmm. you could have uh, bought the Game Boy Color game. Yep. Uh, Iron Giant, of course. Nineteen ninety nine. Yep. Which so after Quest for Camelot. That's right. Um. Iron and Iron Giant rules. Like yeah, very good movie. Very good movie. I would say there's one more very good movie in here. Oh. 
Uh, it may feel like a little bit of a curveball, though, because it's a superhero. It's a DC product. Oh, I have no idea. What is it? Theatrically released in 1993, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, okay. I've actually, I've only tried, I've heard this movie's really good, but it's I, fall, good. I fell asleep watching it and I've never tried again. Mark, <laughs> stay awake. <laughs> um, and then there's like, I guess, not in the 90s, but... Or at least I don't think it was in the 90s, but that, like, Looney Tunes Back in Action movie with Jenna Elfman and uh, Brendan Fraser. Looney Tunes Back in Action is 2003. Okay. So, what? Oh, Osmosis Jones. Osmosis Jones is 2001. Oh, then I have no idea. Is there anything left? Uh, Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, So, uh, starting in 1990, The Nutcracker Prince. Never heard of it. Uh Uh, 1991, Rover Dangerfield. The Rodney Dangerfield is a dog. I feel like I have seen Gets that one. sent to live on a barn. Uh-huh. Uh, on a farm, rather. Uh, uh, 1994, Thumbelina. Okay. Uh, uh, 19, also 1994, A Troll in Central Park. Um, Space Jam in 96. 97, Cats Don't Dance. Oh, I actually... So I've heard of Cats Don't Dance. Yeah. Because the person who directed that went on, eventually directed Emperor's New Groove, I think. Oh. Yeah. Well, I that's think Cats a... Don't Dance is supposed to be pretty good. Should we see Cats Don't Dance? <laughs> Maybe after I buy Ben and Kyle's. All right, there we go. Uh, and then uh, 1999, the only other movie we haven't mentioned here. Oh, well, I guess Pokemon, the first movie, technically they put it out as well. Um, or Warner Brothers was part of it. Oh, and the, the last is The King and I. I don't remember there being an animated The King and I, do you? Interesting. No. Uh, well... Mark, you did great. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. All right, let's get into the news. I don't feel like I did great, but I feel like we're buoyed by the spirit of you getting 999 tickets in Tetris Yeah, I, anything else that happens here tonight is just gravy, right? <laughs> like I did, I, I, I set a goal like a year ago, and I finally got there. In a new interview with Famitsu, Zelda series producer AJ Aonuma revealed that Nintendo is not planning to release any DLC for Tears of the Kingdom, explaining that his team had, quote, done everything, end quote, there was to do in the Hyrule started by Beer Breath of the Wild and shared by Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, so no DLC. That's a, that's a top line uh, thing here at the point of conversation. There is not going to be or at least they are not at this time ready to announce any DLC for Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It feels pretty definitive to me that they're ready to move on. Uh, that Yeah, I mean, it, here's the thing. I've been saying this for a while. You have. Um, and, like, part of what uh, has me, like, thinking that that was always uh, the case is that um, the way this thing was priced, right? Like, a lot of the reason that uh, Nintendo has been able to keep their even their big first-party games at $60 instead of going up to 70 like all the rest of the um, like next-gen uh, console games are is that they almost always release, like, a $20 DLC thing, um, you know, be it for Animal Crossing or for Mario Kart 8 or the original um, uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, or whatever, a lot of these games. But they didn't have that here. And instead they were just like, no, the whole game is just 10 bucks more expensive. And everyone has to buy it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it feels like, I, I don't know, there there was something about all of it. I, I guess I never really like expected DLC or anticipated DLC. It really did, the game just really did feel kind of like a period 
You know yeah. what I mean? Where yeah. it was just like, yeah, like we have set our piece on this high rule yeah. and are ready to move on. Right. And like with with very few exceptions, um, everything that was added as DLC um in the original uh like has shown up in, in in this game, right? Like we're really just missing like master master mode, which is a big one, um, and the motorcycle. But like you can make your own motorcycle. So Right. There was a follow-up question from Famitsu about the future of the series revisiting that world, but Anuma held strong to the line, quote, I feel like we've done everything we can to create fun in that world. So, again... Done it all. Yep. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom director Hidemaro Fujibayashi added that he was already thinking about the, quote, next fun experience, end quote, for the franchise. Uh, So there will be another Zelda... Right, like we can rest assured, there will be another one, and it just won't be. How do, how do you feel about this? That moving on from this version, presumably both of like this version of Hyrule, but also kind of like this version of the game. Oh, right? see, I don't think so. I feel like they've said before Tears of the Kingdom was released. You know, Alnum was also talking about like, hey, yeah. this is the template going forward, yeah. probably. You know what I mean? And so I think uh, it'll be fun to see what they you take this like idea and mechanics and put it in a whole new world like that's really exciting to think where it can go from there um also i feel like um in that same interview at the very end of it aonuma is basically like <laughs> tells fans like keep your expectations high like he's basically like, oh no! Like Fujibayashi and team, like they're gonna they're gonna do even better next time. Yeah, and you know, so I and the if what we've if <laughs> keep what, your expectations. That's basically Just what he says. Call, calling a shot. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, keep your expectations up. Like you know, uh, we're gonna work hard to surpass even this. And uh, before the game was released or after the whatever, we heard some reporting that the game had basically been content complete since 2022, and that they spent a year in QA and, like, fixing bugs and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, even if the Zelda, the entire of the Zelda, entirety of the 3D Zelda team took a year-long break uh, before their next project, they'd kind of be works, working on it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, work has already begun, I'm sure, on whatever the next thing is going to be. Well, Zelda goes into space. Yeah, be fun in eight years or mm-hmm. whatever that comes out. Uh, out of the same... How long do you think? I mean, like, honestly. Genuinely, I think seven or eight years. Okay, all yeah. right. All right I, th- I think it'll be announced in five, promised in six, and then delayed two more years. Announced in five, like, promised for the, for the next year. Uh-huh. So, okay. Uh, all right, all right. That's my guess. Uh, out of the same interview, we got some heavy hints from Fujibayashi that Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom take place far after the other games in the series. Uh, was that not what we were already sort of like in, intuiting? Well, we're just getting confirmation, yeah, so sort here, of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here, here's some, I guess, mild uh, spoilers for both Skyward Sword and Tears of the Kingdom, if you are nervous about that kind of stuff. Skip ahead a little bit. So Skyward Sword is canonically the first game in the timeline. Yes. And that game ends with Zelda and Link on the surface together and founding the first Hyrule, basically. Yeah. And then in Tears of the Kingdom, uh, Sonya and Raru, when Zelda shows up, they're like, hey, we're the founders of Hyrule. And that doesn't make sense if what we're seeing in the past with Zelda right. happened at the like founding of Hyrule that Skyward Sword is talking about. 
or mm. hints it at the end. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Because there are no there. We see mo- a lot of the surface, anyways. There's no zoni. There's no you know. Uh, and so the only way that that makes sense is if Sonya and Rauru are the founders of like the, the most next recent version. Hyrule. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, who knows how many there are in between? Because oh yeah, good point. You know, there could be hundreds of thousands of years between the last game and. Uh, or we'll just say Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally. Well, and like, I mean, also just trying to determine like the length of time between any of these uh, Zelda games where it's like generations go by. Um, it's, it's impossible, right? It's, right. A, it's an unfathomably, unfathomably long time. But like, what's interesting, uh, one of the things that's interesting about like the Zonai, uh, Raru specifically, like coming down to be like the founder of Hyrule, is that like he definitely comes from somewhere else, which is also what Link and Zelda did, right? Like, they came from the sky. Um, so did he also come from the sky? Well, or space? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, where did the Zonai come from? Or has it just been so long? That, like, the Zonai are, you know, a, like, evolved species or, yeah, you know sure. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who, who knows exactly? Um, also, because, like, you know, they're in both Breath of the Wild and Tears. Of the, I've been deep into Zelda lore videos yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, like, there's no Triforce, it really, in Breath of the Wild mm. or Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. In Tears of the Kingdom, you know, like, Ganondorf is interested in the secret stones but right right that's all the power that he knows about like he's not trying to gather the triforce or anything like that so it's like has all of this knowledge been lost yeah over you know like have the the triforces been lost right yeah we just don't know yeah uh but also and where's madame couture (laughs) (laughs) speaking of lore videos yeah uh that so I've been watching some to talk about. This is just interesting to me. The subtle differences between the high rules in Breath of the Wild mm. and Tears of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, okay, it makes sense that where this uh, Sheikah Tower used to be in Breath of the Wild, some places there's holes, but in other where they like emerge from the ground, yeah. but in like one specific place, there's like uh, a skull sitting on top, like, and not like a skull that was placed there, like a skull. Basically, like, the the hill, and then if you go underneath it, there's, like, a giant skeleton under there. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Hmm. Or buildings that were are, like, ruins in Breath of the Wild, and there are ruins in Tears of the Kingdom, but there's, like, additional building that wasn't there. And some of it is, like, well, maybe it's just artistic license. Yeah. But some of it's also, like, well, what is the Hyrule in Tears of the Kingdom exactly? Like, are you seeing, you know, like, when yes, Zelda went I back in time, is right. she because she had that knowledge, did the things that she did back in time like have subtle changes on the reality of Hyrule? I think it would have to, right? Because we we know that uh, like multiple timelines, like that's a thing that is in play with the Zelda timeline anyway, right? Like there is this fork at Ocarina of Time and we know that it is uh, forked uh, partially by the effect of time travel, right? Um, And here's, like, real uh, spoilers for uh, Tears of the Kingdom here, so skip ahead, like, a minute uh, if if you don't want to hear any of this. Um, But the fact that we don't see the light dragon flying around in the sky in Breath of the Wild is sort of, like, the most rock-solid proof that we have that before Zelda went back in time, there was no Zelda as dragon flying around up there. Right. And it makes, like, it... Time travel is always, like, crazy, yeah. and this makes it even, like, crazier to think yes. 
how is any of this really possible? But it's just very cool. I, I'm, I'm getting really deep into <laughs> these like Zelda lore videos. That's cool. Also, I used to think that uh, Nintendo didn't take the Zelda timeline seriously, that it was mm. like something that they just kind of, that they made up to put into the, like Hyrule history or whatever because fans were you're, always complaining. Because you're a cynic. Because I'm a cynic. <laughs> yep. But I, don't, but I don't believe that anymore. Mm. I actually, I think that the Zelda time, and maybe, maybe that is what it was initially, but I don't think, uh, I think I have come around to the idea that I think the Zelda timeline is something, is similar to what I am uh, believe Nintendo has on all of its like characters, like Luigi, which is like, they don't tell us the information. Yes. But they have it dot like they know internally what Waluigi's deal is. Right. Just and like they know what happened to Donkey Kong Jr. Exactly. And same with like the Zelda timeline. Like I think that they they they're they do know. Mm. And I, I don't think it's all like planned out or anything. Right. I think they create games and figure out where they're gonna place it and like do all that stuff. And um uh but yeah, I, I do believe it's a like thing that they consider now. Uh, if they didn't always. <laughs> Mark, you've been made a believer. I have. I have. Uh, last week, Nintendo released voice actor Charles Martinet's special farewell video, which had been promised when uh, <laughs> the announcement was initially made that he would be no longer voicing Mario in video games going forward and be transitioning to this new role of Mario ambassador. Mm -hmm. um, the video alternated between... Martinet and Shigeru Miyamoto speaking directly to camera against like a white background. Kind of classic uh, Nintendo Direct uh, format, but with no uh, no B roll and no uh, like real titles beyond like their names on screen. Yep. Uh, yeah. There, I mean, there wasn't really any insight or news other than Martinet appeared to be like enthusiastic and in good spirits. And I don't know if we knew that Martinet called Miyamoto papa when he saw him right but that's cute it's cute right it's definitely cute uh, he, uh martinez wearing a uh red mario t-shirt um which i feel like is the kind of thing that if they were doing that with any of the uh like japanese producers and game directors and stuff that they would also be wearing like a uh, jacket well that's it. exactly what miyamoto was wearing yeah. he also was wearing a red mario shirt with a like black sports coat over it i'm just like i'm saying one of them looked great in that video and the other one was charles martin <laughs> <laughs> harsh words for our first i'm sorry mario ambassador. i'm sorry um but yeah i i thought even though they weren't uh they were obviously just filming their parts separately and it was edited together and they weren't actually interacting i thought uh miyamoto's message and martinet's message both felt like heartfelt and yeah you could tell that they did or uh it seemed to me that the, Mar uh, they genuinely appreciated like each other right right, right i thought it was pretty sweet but uh sweet but and you know i don't know what i was expecting but like there's no like there's zero insight <laughs> no there's no there's no there there like yes you, you know just the week before when in there's no i'm stepping away because right which is not surprising to me but even you know the role of mario ambassador i i think right uh basically boils down to we'll go to some fan events totally. and you know we'll like sign autographs and be the kind of like the face a face for nintendo which um yeah doesn't sound like a bad bad gig at all no and is kind of what he was already doing uh anyway new switch bundles have been announced for north america and europe com coming out on october 6th of this year so the first bundle, yeah, we've seen like a hundred times for Black Friday. It's a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe bundle, which is the with the regular Switch model, not the OLED, not the OLED, neon red and blue Joy-Con. 
plus three months of Nintendo Switch Online for $299.99. So you're getting the uh, the NSO, the three months of NSO, and uh, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for free. And I think the difference here from the Black Friday deals is that this does not seem to be limited time. This seems to be, hey, the new normal, like yeah. the new normal. If you want a uh, like a regular switch, well, and October sixth, like it is, uh, it's a a soon, um, and b way before Black Friday. Yeah, so in some in some ways, like a de facto price cut. If yeah, you would, you know because Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, uh, <laughs> the best selling Switch title, and right, and what are you not going to buy it? Right, when, exactly. When you Switch, so yeah. you know, if if you are uh, picking up a Switch for the first time, that's a pretty compelling deal. The oh, actually, that's interesting. If they're also like looking to capture people who are buying Switches for this, like uh, a second Switch or whatever. Although buying a second Switch that is just a base model Switch is a little confusing to me. Like I don't don't know who that market is exactly. Um, but then like uh, making you buy another copy effectively of uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is, is kind of a funny move. Uh, also interesting to note, the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe bundle is, isn't getting released in Europe. Uh, there they'll be getting a Nintendo Switch Sports bundle instead. The sec- second bundle that is going to be released in Europe and North America is an Animal Crossing New Horizons Switch Lite that includes a digital copy of New, Hor- of New Horizons. For $199.99. So again, kind of like a price cut just built in. Yeah, and like kind of a big deal, actually, because that's uh like that that means that if you were gonna buy Animal Crossing anyway, you're effectively getting the Switch Lite for $140, which is uh like the lowest we've you know, by by a long shot, the yeah. cheapest way to get a switch. Um, but these are in the US anyways, like retailer exclusive. So which is so weird. It is. So there's Isabel's Isabel's Aloha Edition, mm-hmm. which is the, the coral color, is a Target exclusive. And then Timmy and Tommy's Aloha Edition, is, which is the turquoise one, is a Walmart exclusive. Um, which is all uh, like a, 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 a little strange. I do think it is uh, interesting to point out that both Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Animal Crossing New Horizons have big chunks of DLC that are available for free with the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack subscription. So I think they are also trying to, with Mm. these new bundles, drive people to the higher subscription uh, rate uh, because they already uh, immediately have a game that utilizes the functionality in like a very meaningful way. Also, there's the Mario Red OLED Switch that also comes out on October 6th. So Nintendo has new hardware for all three system iterations going into the holidays. Yeah, which is okay. What is what's happening here? Is it is this a uh, all of our existing stock must go because we're like clearing the slate for next year when we launch something new? I do wonder if that's part of it. Is like they're obviously so far, you know, the Switch hasn't had a price cut at mm-hmm. all. Um, I mean, if you want to count inflation being crazy then technically but sure. like not really the, and so but yeah maybe they have the components that they are ready to start you know like clearing those channels in preparation for whatever the next thing may be um what do you make of uh it all happening on october 6th instead of like waiting to get a little bit closer to black friday yeah i don't know maybe they are just trying to capture as much of get ahead of super mario one brothers wonder yeah, 
Yeah, that I comes mean, out on the twentieth. You think they're anticipating that as like a big like mover of hardware? hardware? I do. I you know I mean like in relative terms, it is the Switch's what like seventh year on market or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, true. in relative terms, yeah, I I do. I I think um they're I mean, just looking it is to the, capture that moment. It is the first new two D Mario on the platform, and there was just a billion dollar grossing you know Mario movie. That's a great point. So, <laughs> that so is, you know, that is excellent data, Mark. But, Thank but, you. But no, I, I just mean that. Yeah, I think like I, I do. I think they anticipate it's going to be really big and an opera. You know, they, I, they, what was it? Fifteen million switches that they were planning to sell this fiscal year. Like, yeah, that's pretty nuts for how old is the switches. And so, it, you know, we were kind of wondering at the beginning of the year, like, how are they going to get there? Sure, there was Tears of the Kingdom, but where else? What else would there going to be? Right. And I do think that this is part of that. You know, it a hundred and forty dollars or whatever for a Switch Lite. You know, with the game bundle, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. But it's like that's a pretty compelling. It's a pretty argument, easy, to yeah, get a Switch. To, as a, as a jump on point. Um, and then yeah, I mean, like then what? I mean, especially with these uh the Animal Crossing Switch Lite bundles, where it's like, I like I I know this is not like what the Switch Lite is for, but it's it's an effective machine for a child, right? Um, and like the. Uh, affordable Nintendo systems for children um, are always uh, vectors for Pokemon, right? Um, and they've got a bunch of Pokemon games on there right now that are all like ready to go. They've got some in like the classic variety, some that are more uh, like modern and weird. Um, the remakes of uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining, Shining Pearl. Um, like I think there are just a lot of the more Switch lights they can like start pushing out there. I think is probably gonna just gonna be good for uh software sales in general well speaking of hardware uh you know that basically every week now there's going to be some new hardware rumors and this week they're coming out of both Eurogamer and vgc so here's what we know is that uh nintendo held private meetings to showcase their new hardware to partners and both uh Eurogamer and vgc reported that they uh, allegedly used a tech demo of Breath of the Wild running at like a higher frame rate resolution than mm-hmm. the game normally does to like show off the power of the hardware. I assume that uh, still, when you get into a grassy field, everything slows down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and the uh, uh, um, uh, Korok Forest. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Yeah, and the Lost Woods—it's a real problem. But there's a but there's a uh, a real precedent of using Zelda stuff as tech demos. We saw that at least with the Wii U. You know, they mm-hmm. had a um uh Twilight a like little slice of Twilight Princess that you could play. Um. Also, apparently, the Unreal Engine Five Matrix tech demo was uh shown off running on this new hardware. Which, like, that's one of those things that's, like, a, like, impossibly good looking. It was, like, a graphical showcase Yeah, when, you know, it was shown off. And, again, apparently it looks pretty good, like, pretty close to PlayStation 5 slash, like, Xbox series good. But what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Right? And, like, because yeah. how, how good, like... When how you say how, it's comparable, right? How much like, are you actually what does clocking? That mean? And also, are we seeing that on TV? Are we seeing that in handheld mode? Because right. like, it's a lot harder to be discerning about the power of the switch when it's in handheld mode, right? Like, you, the screen is just so much smaller. And apparently, 
Uh, to achieve this, there was like it was capable of ray tracing, mm-hmm. and it used DLSS technology, which stands for Deep Learning Super Sampling Technology, which is basically like upscaling from through like AI. Yeah, yeah. So like AI, I guess like seeing the frame and using uh, machine learning to like upscale it. So. Uh, a pay- and then Eurogamer reported that, quote, Nintendo is keen to launch the system sooner, if possible, uh, end quote, than the latter part of the year. As like, because initially, you know, there had been talk. As you know, the latter part of next year. Of 2024. Yeah. But apparently Nintendo is like looking to launch sooner than that, if possible. Which maybe explains why they're getting the other systems out so much uh, before Black Friday, right? Like- right, yeah. The, the more time they have on the market, the more they can sell. Um, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's all very exciting to hear these rumors and stuff. Um, I don't really think there was ever any uh, thinking that the Direct that we expect to see this week would ever feature any mention of uh, new hardware. Yeah, it didn't cross my mind. Um, but I think knowing that all these bundles are coming out is kind of like the, that's the final word on that. Like, they're not going to put out these a bunch of bundles of the old system and then be like, but by the way, if you just wait a little bit, we'll <laughs> right, have something else out. Right. Um, yeah. I also think it's interesting that, you know, like, what exactly was Nintendo showing off? Because everything here is just purely kind of, like, graphics-based, right? Yeah. So, what, yes. you know, so was it just, there has to be more to it. There has to be more to it. And there's so much about the Switch and the Switch Lite and the OLED that is successful because of the form factor of the machine right um there are all these other handhelds on the market right now that are more powerful than the switch um and uh you know they're less successful for a couple of reasons one of which is you can't play mario on them um but another is just that like the steam deck is a big machine to hold in your hands right like it doesn't have the same like easy holdability uh of the switch its battery doesn't last as long as the Switch does. And the Switch doesn't have great battery, but, like, it's it's good enough. Um, and so I just wonder what sort of compromises to form factor and battery life and brightness and uh, picture quality are being made in the name of getting to a machine that can run the Matrix demo um, or uh, play Breath of the Wild like it's a uh, PlayStation 5 game. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to know what it's going to feel like to hold this thing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That and I want to know, like, what is the hook? Uh huh. What is like the thing? Yes. Yeah. Because there's gonna be a thing. There's gonna be a thing. It's also uh the 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 other like uh dimension of that made the the switch successful price. Um, a, a more powerful machine is going to cost more, presumably. Um, so like, is it heavier? Is it more expensive? Is the, is the battery less good? Like, these are all strikes against like the sort of ethos of what makes the switch successful uh, yeah, po- possibly but also you know like the switch is running at least seven-year-old technology this and that's true. you know if it was if the tech was brand new when it was released which we know it wasn't right you know and so i feel like a lot of uh strides can be made in a decade essentially i i totally agree and i should trust nintendo to not develop outside of their constraints for weight and battery and cost um but i you know like there's I, always a virtual boy out there in the future that's right that yes yeah 
And I can worry about that, Mark, until the day I die, <laughs> which is not happening yet, imminently. <laughs> uh, Mario Kart Tour is getting its final update October 4th with the Battle Tour. Battle Tour! But the game isn't shutting down. After that, it'll run tours comprised of previous content, so that means no new tracks, no new drivers, no new carts, no new uh, gliders. But but they stopped adding... chugging along. Oh, no. You know what? I, I was going to say they stopped adding characters a while ago. This that's my fault. I was thinking of our uh, Doctor Mario World uh, <laughs> yeah. ranking of all the characters, and I I don't know if they I truly don't know if they've kept adding characters or if like by characters they mean like new costumes or variations. Yeah, yeah. I think they consider those all new characters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but the game launched in 2019, so it's had a you know four years mm-hmm. of new content, and with the final booster course pass being released later this year for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I don't know. It just feels like, you know, we got these, the hardware stuff going uh-huh. on. We've got the Mario Kart 8 things that were happening this generation wrapping up. It really just feels like we, there's more and more momentum for whatever is next. Yeah. Just that we are approaching more endings here, right? Yeah. Um, that both, uh, yeah. Both both these games sort of like nearing their end. It's kind of like, yeah, well, th- there better be a, a a next Mario Kart game. Do you think that this means we'll get the final booster course pass like in October? Like, well, do you think it in this direct, uh, whenever it happens, hopefully Thursday or by Thursday? Yeah, um, uh, Wednesday is my, is my <laughs> hope. Uh. Do you think that maybe we'll hear about the final booster course pass wave? Because uh, traditionally, you know, the the new tracks that show up there also sh- in the in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe oh, yeah. end up That's showing true. up in Mario Kart Tour. And with the final wave coming for Mario Kart Tour, the final update happening October 4th, I wonder if we will get... The boost, the final booster course pass somewhere in there as well. Um, I mean that bathroom level, that's not coming to uh, uh, tour, right? Oh, I think it already did. Scrub a dub or whatever. Mo- in the most, yeah, in the most recent, in the most recent tour. Well, then I might, then I'm, I'm, I'm probably just wrong. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they would try to like time those things together, ish. The uh, this year's releases of the uh, booster course pass. Um, waves have been more or less in line with where they were last year. They're about a week earlier, um, if if we're comparing them all like one for one. Um, and last year, the third wave came out in on December seventh, so October is pretty early for that. Um, but you know, I guess like you know, it's it's the uh, it's the end of a thing. So like we we can ignore some of the some of the previous dates, I guess. We know that the Batman Arkham trilogy is headed to Switch on October thirteenth. But is it possible that the semi-recently released Gotham Knights is coming to Switch as well? The game has been rated for... Here's what we know. The game has been rated for Switch by both the ESRB and the ratings board in Singapore. Uh, Neither Warner Brothers nor developer WB Montreal have announced anything officially, but... You know, Nintendo Direct around Mm, the corner. Yep, yep. Seems like a good time that uh, we might hear more. Uh, Yeah, uh... This, this seems like a little bit of a weird 
inclusion, right? I mean, I guess it uh, it was a uh, it was not on the modern hardware, right? It's on PS4 and Xbox One. Um, no, I think it's the reverse. I think it's on PS5 and wait, Xbox really? Series, and they canceled the PS4 oh, you know, and yes. Xbox One version. You're right. You're right. You're right. Which also makes it a weird inclusion because you would think this version would be based on the PS4 and Xbox One versions. Right. And hey, maybe it is. Maybe you know. Right. Maybe those are all coming out as well. Yeah, that's yeah, could yeah. be. Um, but uh, regardless, a uh, sort of weird inclusion when like maybe you should try putting one Batman game out on this thing <laughs> first. Um, but then that like this is not a uh, did not get a super uh, warm reception um, when the game originally came out last year, I believe. Um, and is also like it's got a strong multiplayer slash like online play component. Um, and I just wonder how the Switch is going to keep up with that. Um. And all that kind of stuff. I remember being like pretty intrigued by this game. I like the Arkham games a lot. Um, and the idea of playing as Dick Grayson or Damien uh, or these other Robins. Um, I guess there's only one of the Robins. It was like Tim um, and then Batgirl. Those are all characters that I like a lot uh, and would love to see like them sort of like interact. But it seemed like it just had too much of a like... I don't know, like online brawler kind of games as a service quality to it that I'm just not interested in. Um, so even if this does make it to Switch, it'll probably be just another platform on which I can ignore it. You know, one thing we learned from Lost mm. is that uh, what is dead can never die, may never die. Is that from Lost? Am no. I getting this right? <laughs> <laughs> what is dead may never die is from... It's not from Lost. It's not from Lost. What is dead? Well, this is a failed segue into talking about E3 because some things truly will stay dead, and I think E3 is one of them. It's Game of Thrones. Game, okay, Game of Thrones there we is go. what is dead may never die. Uh, Read Pop. Oh, so what is, the, what is the Lost thing? Live together, die alone? No, there's, I mean, yes, but there's, <laughs> there's like another one. Oof. I'll have to look it up, but I'm not going to do it right now. Okay. Uh, e so, Reed Pop and ESA are parting ways after failing to host the doomed video game <laughs> convention in 2023. It really does just feel like it's cursed. Yeah, point. absolutely. Like, the best thing you could do is not try to do an E3 anymore. Yeah. Uh, here's the statement from ESA president and CEO Stanley Pierre-Lewis. Quote, we appreciate Repop's partnership over the past 14 months and support their ongoing efforts to bring industry and fans together through their various events. While the reach of E3 remains unmatched in our industry, we are continuing to explore how we can evolve it to best serve the video game industry and are evaluating every aspect of the event from format to location. We are committed to our role as a con convener for the industry and look forward to sharing news about E3 in the coming months. Um, is any of that true? Like, are they, like, the ESA, the, the uh, E3's, uh, E3 remains unmatched in our industry, well, the reach of E3 remains unmatched in our industry. Is that true? Probably, I mean, not anymore. They haven't had one for years, yeah. Yeah, four years now? Yeah. Yeah. We were at the last E3. That's like, that's so that's crazy. Just we were at the last one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it is weird. You know, when they brought Breedpop in, I really was pretty hopeful that they mm -hmm. could figure something out but yeah it, i think it's just i really just think it's companies have figured out they don't need it anymore yeah so yeah, yeah. what's the point of like trying to prop up this like zombie convention yeah don't need it slash like couldn't really use it right like um you know microsoft was already like kind of doing their own thing and sony had stopped participating uh, a while ago and like i know that there were other uh places saying that they were you know weren't going but like 
Ubisoft was like, hey, if there is an E3, we'll be there. Um, but like, I think that Nintendo pulling out to said pull this all back to, you know, we're a Nintendo show, um, that like this is the first time that there was an E3, hypothetically, and Nintendo was like, we're not gonna be there. That's it, right? Like, if you can't get that relationship working right, then like that's it. That's the end. Yeah, definitely. Mortal Kombat One comes out oh, yeah. in just a few days yeah real soon soon. yeah real soon so kind of some uh weird news slash great news if you're a jean-claude fan damn fan fans purchasing the premium edition of mortal kombat 1 will get an alternate skin for johnny cage that turns him into jean-claude fan damn complete with unique dialogue recorded by the man uh, with, with, so it's not just like a skin that makes him look like, like it changes the character's name to Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I mean, you can toggle between that yeah. and, uh, and, and, and Johnny Cage. Um, and he has like separate little, like, you know, pre-fight banter with, uh, with other characters with Johnny Cage. Um, he makes some joke about like, we'll do a movie together. You'll be a street fighter. You know, it's like, it's bizarre stuff. Um, and I don't know what to make of it other than, like, Mortal Kombat 1. Just having a fun time right now. <laughs> They're doing whatever they want. And finally, we have the results of the most recent Splatfest. Uh, the motivating question. And Patrick is the one who compiled this. So, uh, guaranteed to get it right this time. It's going to be right this time. Yep. Look, we messed it up last time. And we apologize. <laughs> the motivating question was, who would be the best leader with the three idols, Shiver, Fry, and Big Man being the three potential answers. At halftime, it was basically a three-way tie. But in the end, Team Shiver got first place, Big Man in second, and Fry trailing in third. Uh, that's how the popularity worked, too. Team Shiver had over half the vote with 55%. Big Man pulled in 27%, and Fry the remaining 18 um, which, uh, I, I don't know if I just like live in a bizarre corner of the internet, but I would have thought that big man was running away with this thing. Yeah. I think kind of a surprising result, but also really early for us to be having this kind of splat fest, right? Yeah. You and I didn't like, uh, break this down when the, when the splat fest was announced, but, uh, you know, every version of Splatoon has had these like pit the idols against each other, um, splat fests. Um, and in Splatoon one, it was, uh, Kelly versus Marie. And that was the final splat fest. There were no splat fests after that. Um, Splatoon two had their chaos versus order Pearl representing chaos and Maria representing order Marina, sorry, representing order. Um, and there were a couple of other Splatfests after that, but they were like replays of older themes and one tie into the Mario 35th anniversary. And also, uh, that chaos versus order was the 27th, um, uh, Splatfest. This is only the ninth Splatfest for Splatoon three. Um, I have to assume that we will have more Splatfests after this one, but like, I don't know. It's a we're, like we we're we're thrown off the precedent trail here. Yeah, which I guess is kind of exciting because I mean we are at the basically the one year anniversary. Yes. Of first Splatoon three, they promised two years of updates. We have a whole nother year of updates to go, and now that we have this one out of the way, what will the final Splatfest be? You know, the one that determines the future of the right Splatoon yes. universe. Well, and you know we're getting this side order DLC uh, coming up at some point. We still don't have a date for it. They tease it at the last direct, right? Um, 
right? Was that just the last one? I can't remember if they mentioned that. it in June. But but either way, it's supposed to come out soon. So in right. this next direct, I would expect to have a release date. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah. Uh, and and could even be coming out later this week. Like I think I think that's in- entirely possible. Um, and I think it is also possible that that like shapes the world of Splatoon as well. Um, and maybe they had been waiting all this time to get through this first year of content, including a like mid-season finale of uh, pitting the idols against each other. So I don't know if the idols change. I don't know if the idols... Oh, interesting. Uh, if something happens to them or what. Um, but I think we are... Uh, we're, we're, in, we're, re- we're primed for something. Yeah. Ooh, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have just expected this to be the final Splatfest. Right. Now there's a... Uh... But we know it's not. Yes. It, it simply cannot be. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, thank you so much to everyone uh, for listening. Join our Discord, email us, and we will send you an invitation. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. I looked it up and it's just dead is dead. Oh, just dead is dead. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's What's a, the context for that? It's a, a title of an episode from Lost season five, episode 12. Season five, episode 12, dead is dead. Can you, whose episode is it? Uh, ben. It's a Ben episode. Yeah. Do you know what's so funny is all the other ones in episode six, I have like a hyperlink to take you to more information. About yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that does not. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, because it, it wouldn't be the one where he like, te- well, well, I shouldn't put spoilers for Lost at the <laughs> <laughs> at the very end of this episode of the show. Um, dead is Dead, a Ben episode. Yep. Season five. And uh, towards uh, season five, episode 12. And there were 17, like 16. If you The last one was a two-part yeah, finale. Yeah, yeah. So like towards the end of it too. So maybe something big went down. Oh, no. You know what that, oh my God. We got to just talk about this off mic because I think I know what episode that is. All right, all right, all right, we got to go.